Hey, since you're listening to the Bar Reef podcast, I'm sure you would love to listen to a weekly podcast about local sports here in Davis and Martin County, Birdies Bourbon and Basketball. Like Bar Reef Sports. I mean, that's all we talk about, right? I mean, the best program in the state. Oh, boy. No, we talk about all the other local teams like Gody, North Davis, Washington, and the other local high school teams. Okay. I thought we'd talk about Bar Reef all the time, though. You do. Okay. And don't forget, we've had PGA Tour professionals. We've had NBA players. So you really never know who's going to stop by. But mainly, it's about local sports in Davis and Martin County. And Bar Reef coaches. No? <laughs> so every single week, wherever you get your podcasts, tune in to Birdies, Bourbon, and Basketball. five-year history of Bar Reeve High School and Bar Reeve Athletics, there can be much debate about the most decorated athlete in the history of our school. Sometimes, however, you just need to go look at the numbers and check the stats. Our guest today is the most, is the most decorated male athlete in the history of Bar Reeve High School. He made seven total state finals appearances, four in cross country and three in track. In a one-class sports system, he finished runner-up in the 3,200-meter race twice. He was Bar Reeve's first state champion in any sport when he raced to the 2013 cross-country state championship as a senior. In 2013-2014, he was the state of Indiana's Gatorade Runner of the Year, the equivalent to what would be Indiana's Mr. Basketball Award. He was also named to multiple all-American teams for the work during his senior season. Ladies and gentlemen, today's guest on the Bar Reef podcast, Bar Reef's first state champion, Mr. Connor Sorrells. Hello, Connor. Hello. That was quite the intro. I, I thought that was kind of befitting of a king. Oh, man. And, uh, you know, I've been wanting to to, to hook up with you, and, and, and now as we um, kind of are over the holiday season, I thought it was the perfect time to do so. And... I kind of want to start with right now, and then we're going to backtrack and, and kind of work our way um, through your career. But most people, when they have been out of school now for what would be eight entire years, and you were still in college, most people would think that you might be a slacker. But here you are, eight years after uh, your high school graduation, you are still in college. Tell us what you're doing right yeah, now. Yeah, lifetime student, as I like to, to jokingly say. Um, so at first... I thought I wanted to go into some sort of physical therapy, knew I was super interested in athletics and the like. So the obvious path is just to kind of pursue something related to sports, to try to stay as close to sports as I could. And that ev that evolved into maybe pursuing medical school. Um, I held a, you know, a list of odds and ends jobs 
to try to pad my resume to try to get into medical school, but um, basically ended up in a situation where um, I will be earning my second master's degree in anesthesia. I guess I'll be done two years from today, so December of 2022, um, and I will basically be, um, I'll be an anesthetist uh, one of these days. So, but yeah, still, still in school, just like I said, a, a lifetime student. <laughs> well, luckily for you, you were always pretty good at it. And, and on the personal side, uh, looking over here, another guest in the, uh, in the Bar East studios, uh, you've, you've also got a big, uh, a big life moment about to I go do. down. I do. Yeah. In March, we're going to get married. We had originally scheduled it for January 2nd, but with you know the way the world is right now we had to sort of uh, adjust we were kind of cut on or we were told that we couldn't have as many guests as we would like to have there so rather than having a small wedding without you know everybody that we care about there to celebrate it with us we just decided to push it back so the new date's march 20th and we're hoping that things will look much different in 90 days and not the only athlete in this uh in this in these nuptials tell us about your fiance caitlin um she's pretty accomplished in her own right both uh both with what she did athletically while she was in college, but now professionally as well. Yeah, absolutely. She had a much better college career than I did <laughs> on all fronts. Um, if you asked her, she's definitely the most decorated athlete in this uh, relationship, and I don't know if I can argue with her there. But no, she, in high school, she was a stud. All four years, she was basically the go-to you know, player in basketball. She, much like you know, Bar-Eve, the school that she went to, you know, they have their, their small host of athletes, and they have to sort of um, – put the whole school on their shoulders in, in multiple sports, and that was her case. Also, she played softball, volleyball, and basketball, and it was a stud in all three, and basketball was just sort of her bread and butter. But she was um, she was an Indiana All-Star. Um, she was picked for every team that there was to pick in, in terms of, you know, what she could be picked for for an Indiana high school girl. She had her pick of the litter in terms of where she wanted to go to college. Um, I think she thought about Texas Tech pretty hard for a while, but she's such a homebody that she decided on IEPY and – I don't know. I don't have any opinions on that. I guess you can you can talk to her about that. But, but yeah, she's but, she's a stud. But just like just like you, I'm, I mean, it's it's fa family is important, and and that's that's one thing that that's always been kind of that's shown through with you is is you know even though you've been um, you know kind of around the world, uh, anytime you get a chance to peek back into uh, to Oakview Heights to see mom and dad, you know you're, you you take that opportunity, and I know Caitlin does the same thing. Yeah, no, absolutely, and it, it's crazy how th how much things are changing around here, and it, it, you got me all pumped up with nostalgia. I just toured the school for the first time, got to see the gym and all the new additions, and it seems like every time I come home, I get to come home, you know, not as often as I like, but it seems like every time I do pull in to Oakview Heights, we're by the golf course, there's a new house coming up, a new family, bringing something to the community. Um, yeah, it's great. Things are things are looking looking awesome around here. And before we get to the uh, you know to kind of the bread and butter and the ins and the outs, you know, one thing you've always been very adamant about is I, I wouldn't necessarily say giving back. And I know you have talked to some of our athletes, you know, guys and girls about different things over the years. But you know, there's a lot of people. I, I think especially when you're from a small town. I think the prevailing thought is, you know, this this place sucks. I want to get out of here. I don't want to come back. I'm embarrassed to be from it. And 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 you've always been pretty uh, steadfast in the belief that that you're you're proud of where you're from and 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 you're proud to say you you you're a Bari Viking. I you know I agree with that. I, I can't totally take credit and say that I was never one of those people who thought, oh, I you know this, I never thought this place sucked or I was never you know kind of a, a high school kid with a chip on my shoulder. There was a point in time, especially. You had two chips on your shoulder yeah, most of the time. Yeah, that's a whole other story, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, when I was going through the, you know, trying to figure out where I wanted to go to college or where I wanted to run or whatever, I 
some part of me thought that I had to leave Indiana because, you know, I was too good for it or something, you know, pretty naive, some naive outlook that I had. And I guess the one thing I will say for myself is that I learned pretty quickly that the grass isn't always greener and that where I grew up is very special. There's not a whole lot of kids that I talked to that had the same upbringing that I did and got to have all the same experiences. And I guess for lack of a better way to put it, get away with a lot of the things I got away with. Um, <laughs> I, I'm very proud of where I came from and, and coming coming here today and kind of seeing everything and how things change. And it just, it, I don't know, it makes you feel proud. Uh, you know, what we're going to do here, uh, my friend, is we're, we're going to go back to the start and and talk about your time at, at, at Bar Eve and then kind of touch into your, your college career. And, and you said something profound to me one time on the phone uh, several years ago that, that stuck with me to this day, and we've never really talked about it, and, and I'm going to bring that up today. Um, but I remember your beginning here at Bar Eve. Oh, this will be fun. And um, it was one of those deals where we we always really enjoyed, both my wife and I, I, I just think there's a certain energy of, of Saturday morning basketball games where, where you know, our little fifth and sixth graders play, and, and you get to see that program and just kind of continue on and, and kind of see why they're always good. And and uh, I didn't go to the game um, that I'm getting ready to talk about, but my wife did, and she came home and mentioned that I think Bar Eve had played Shoals and the score was 36 to 28 and we had won or something like along those lines and, and um, you know, had told me about a kid that had scored a bunch of points and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm still at North Davies as a teacher at this time. And the very next week, she came home and she said, Mike, do you remember the kid that I told you about that scored 26 of Scholes' 28 points? And I said, yeah. And she said, he was in my class today. Talk about your move to Bar Eve, the sixth grade, what that was about. Because when you were at Scholes, you guys were pretty tied in. Your, your, your dad was a, was a longtime school board member, kind of a pillar in the community. Talk about that for just a second. Sure. Well, I can only give you the perspective that I had that was kind of limited as being, you know, a fifth or sixth grade kid at the time. But... From from what I remember, I was always a super competitive kid. It, the you know the question of do you love winning more than you hate losing was always very easy for me to answer. <laughs> I just always hated to lose. I never really liked winning that much. I just hated losing. But that kind of carried over into everything I did as a kid. You know, playing board games with friends and family, or playing basketball in the driveway, or you know whatever. And you know, obviously, I brought that to sports. And at the time, I was at Shoals and a sixth grader and. Um, I was super super competitive in basketball. I was destined for the NBA, like most kids that age are, and <laughs> like most six two white kids. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I was just super competitive and wanted to win all the time, or just didn't want to lose rather. And um, from what I remember, the short version is we came. Bar Eve was the first uh, game that we scheduled every season, and everybody afterwards was you know a lot less talented than Bar Eve. So part of me likes to think that Schulz scheduled it that way to get the big one out of the way first, and. Um, I remember my fifth grade year, we played Bar Eve at Shoals, and, you know, they beat us by 40 points, and I just remember, I don't know, there was something that never set well with me. I never had anything against Bar Eve. I just had something against getting beat by 40 <laughs> points at home, and, you know, I got, got a little bigger, a little stronger, a little more coordinated, I guess, as, a, as much as you can as a sixth grader, and was ready to kind of, I don't know, I guess I had lofty dreams of beating Bar Eve at home, which would never happen, but I had a pretty good game, and I guess Alex Knepp, who was the coach of the sixth grade team at the time, made the mistake of thinking Heath Graber could guard me one-on-one -on -one and <laughs> had, had a pretty good game. Uh, like, Yeah, I don't remember exactly how many points it was, but I think I scored all but two. And um, after that, I think the big – there were some, you know, political beefs going on that were, you know, beyond my scope. But like you said, Dad was a – he was the school board president 
at Shoals for a number of years. He was always involved in the community, like he kind of mentioned. And the practice that we had after ba that Bar Eve game, I think we ended up losing by like eight or ten points, which was outlandish for Shoals. You know, the Shoals kids only lost to the Bar Eve kids by ten. I just remember thinking that was so strange that the adults would say stuff like that. And uh, the practice we had afterwards, the, I won't mention his name on here, but the coach of that Shoals team uh, came to practice the next day, and he he kind of um, kind of ostracized me in front of the you know my teammates and said that you know he called me a one man show, and if you know I wanted to be a one man show, I could go have a one man practice at the other end of the gym. So that's what happened. the The team had practice on one end of the gym, and I was down you know on my own little island uh, as sort of a punishment and. As, you know, for some reason, Dad decided to show up early to pick me up from practice and kind of saw what was going on. And, you know, adults talked about whatever adults talked about. And then next thing I knew that we were looking at schools to move to. And then that was, the, I don't know, the rest is kind of history. But, yeah, that's kind of how that went down. That That's that's certainly an interesting story. So so you moved to Bar-Eve uh, your sixth grade year. And obviously, you know, small-town politics, they dictate so many things, both directions. Bar-Eve has certainly not been uh, sure. immune to that over the years. Um uh, but you get here, and and obviously you become part of a uh, of a pretty good, um, you know, what eventually becomes a junior high basketball team. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, you know, I think a lot of people, when they think of people who eventually become champions, is 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 you get the idea of of a child prodigy in your head, and the last thing on the planet you were was a running child prodigy. Tell, tell us how you how you even picked up this hobby and, and where that seed was planted. Sure, yeah, no, that's that's an easy one. Uh, like you said, we, I came over and started playing basketball immediately. I transferred at the, the you know, Christmas break, and at the time it was halfway through my sixth grade year. And at that time, I think the sixth grade teachers on that end of the school at the time were J.R. Perkins, Julie Sluter, and Laura Craney. And um, I think it was just a toss-up on whose class I got put into, but I got put into to JR's class. And, you know, obviously he was the head coach of, you know, cross-country and was a super big running nerd for all those years. And um, I don't know how it came to be, but I do remember that I had Amber for PE, and she made us do timed miles or something like that for um, her fitness testing or whatever. And I told her that I was going to run a mile in like 5:30 or something like that <laughs> as a six or as a sixth grader. And she just, she was always good about, you know, um, you know, joking and teasing with me and stuff like that when I was that age. And she said, yeah, well, whatever, whatever. And when I did it, um, she, I think she came to JR and said, Hey, you know, I think you need to look at this kid for cross country. And then, um, from there, it was just sort of JR saying, Hey, you know, you could be pretty good, you know, this and that, if you put the, you know, the work in, um, but ultimately it didn't really become a serious thought until I ran, which would have been, uh, I, I believe my seventh grade year was my first time I even thought about cross country or even, you know, tried or dedicated a thought to it. But it was because our choices were go to uh, seventh grade basketball or junior high basketball conditioning with Brett Graber, who was notorious for making it pretty tough on us at the time, or, um, or go to cross country practice and uh, I, for whatever reason, I just decided to go to cross country and try to try to give it a shot. And I think there was a point in time, I can't give you the details on this, but over the summer, I was getting kind of wishy-washy about attending and would miss a couple practices here and miss a couple practices there and was sort of one foot in, one foot out. And um, we call him Perk, but Perk was always calling the house and leaving messages on the phone like, hey, you know, we missed you at practice. And he was always, you know, kind of encouraging me, encouraging me to get back out there. And then just from there, it was just that competitive nature that I'm, I discussed earlier, just wanted to didn't really want to win just didn't want to lose and then kind of I don't know it kind of became a whole different animal from there 
you know, and I, and you got into that, but this was a sport, and that's where you you, you talk to people about about you got to you got to really stick with things when when times are bad, when times are tough, and it's you know I think people who legitimately enjoy running, I think they're insane. Yeah, they are. And 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 I don't mean that as a as a knock. I mean that as the highest compliment that I that I possibly can. But this was something when you try to tell kids not to quit something. You actually basically quit cross country a couple times. Tell, tell us about that and and about your coach just kind of kind of staying on you the right way. Yeah, no, it, I can't agree more. And I guess I'll preface it with saying I I can't honestly ever say that I woke up in the morning and was you know smitten to go run and <laughs> and get teased about my short shorts that I ran in by all my friends and stuff like that. You know, it wasn't yeah, especially her sitting over there. Uh, she loved to to make jokes, but. You know, I I did. I quit a couple times. I didn't. It was it was tough. It was tough work. I, my heart wasn't in it. I guess was the main thing. My heart was still kind of in basketball because you know at the time. Let's. I mean, if we're being honest, the culture here was never one that was conducive to. Um, you know, running wasn't the sole focus of the community. You know, people show out. You know, on whatever nights through the week and on the weekends for you know they pack the gyms for basketball. They pack the gyms for volleyball. We hang banners for those sports. And you know, if you want to be a contributing member of of this culture and this tradition that I luckily got to be a part of, those are the sports that you played. And when, I don't know, coming up through it, it was, there were often times it was kind of like, ah, I'm, I'm out here by myself and I've got, I went to basketball practice for two hours and now I have to dedicate another two hours to running. There were, there were some times where it was like, oh, I don't even know if I should do this. And eventually would, you know, I'd hang it up for a couple months and wouldn't pursue it at all. And then, I don't know, that competitive spirit kind of would, you know, bite me in the butt again, or, you know, perk would, kind of talk some smack to me like oh yeah you're just you know you're a quitter you're just like everybody yeah you're just a dime a dozen we've got all kinds of talented kids coming through amber's PE class yada yada (laughs) so uh, I don't know it was it was one of those things that I didn't really discover that you know I needed in my life and it wasn't because I felt like I loved running it was just that you know being a naive kid at the time some part of me understood that I valued what I did and what I was doing from the cross-country track training aspect of you know, you get out what you put into it. And I didn't have to really rely on anyone else. Um, I don't know if that makes me selfish or not, but I, there was something about, you know, I could go out and I controlled my own destiny in terms of winning and losing based on how much I, you know, how much work I put into it, how much time I put into it. And that was something that, I don't know, it just, it grabbed a hold of me and I wasn't, able, wasn't ever really able to kind of walk away from it. And I think anybody that that does something that they love, there's, there's always going to be a hook at some point where, where, where you're in, you're got, it's over. And you're basically, you know, you're you're a lifer. What, what, what was the point where where you were just like, all right, I'm I'm really good at this. It satisfies all of my, you know, internal desires and my, you know, my competitive fire. Uh, and I'm, you know, and I'm good at it. What, what, how old were you when that finally happened? Where it was like, all right, here we go. There were weird things that happened to me. I know whenever I had you as a coach, when you finally made the move from North Davies to here in 07. Um, <laughs> There were times, there were just little things that I kind of noticed about myself that, you know, to the average person, maybe, I don't know, they would have just kind of shrugged it off. But, you know, in basketball practice at the end, when we'd have to run suicides, you know, for whatever reason, I, you know, had a kind of a quick step and was always, you know, finishing first in those suicides and stuff like that. And at that point in time, you don't really have a lot to hang your hat on as a kid. So being the fastest one at the end of basketball practice became pretty important to me for, for whatever reason. But when I really knew that it could, you know, kind of take off was, I think, so my eighth grade year, um, it, 
the way that the state finals and state championships work as in middle school for cross country, for those who don't know, um, it works a little bit differently than high school. There isn't like a state tournament. There's just a state meet that all middle schools go to and anybody can enter. And like I said, as a seventh grader, I didn't take it really seriously. And, you know, I'd go to practice and when I was there and present, I'd be competitive and work hard, but it wasn't a conscious effort to work hard and, and be great. Or I wasn't really working towards anything. I was just kind of screwing around and, uh, we went to the state meet and I got second. And the only kid that beat me was um, kind of what you were uh, discussing earlier was the child prodigy, uh, who ended up becoming one of my good friends later down the road. But uh, when I got second and, you know, Perk kind of was like, hey, listen, you know, do you realize that uh, if you were to keep on this, that you would be, you know, the top kid in your grade by the time you're a senior, you know, you can win a state championship and yada, yada. And at the time, like I said, I, nobody came before me. I didn't really know what that looked like or what it would take to get there. But um, that was sort of the first reality check of, hey, you know, you should put some more work ethic into this and see what happens. And then if you fast forward a year, I think my freshman year, um, I won sectional as a freshman, which was a huge deal. And then, you know, it was sort of lofty goals just to try to get to state as a freshman or it was just, hey, you know, let's try to get out of regional. The South Knox sectional is pretty weak, um, but we show up to regionals and had a crazy day. And just I call it a fluke because I think it was, but I won regional somehow as a ninth grader. And I think that was the moment uh, that I was kind of like, hey, this is something I want to – winning feels good, but, you know, this is this is pretty cool. I want to keep doing this. And, you know, talking about that, and there, there's these little moments that you probably, you know, don't remember at all, but, but I do maybe because they were significant to me. But you win the sectional, you win the regional as a ninth grader, which, you know, as a guy – it's virtually it's it's a, it's almost a little unprecedented. You see a lot of girls who who uh, who are more proficient earlier in their careers. Guys, they kind of they yeah. kind of peak later as 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 you know bodies change and mature. Sure. And then, you know, you think you're. I'm not going to say that you had an arrogance about you. That's that's not the case at all. That's certainly not what I'm getting at. But you had a you had a disappointing semi state your 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 freshman year of high school where you thought you know. I, th I think the the road to anything, you know, you've got to be humbled along the way, sure. or 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 you're never going to get there. But but talk a little bit about that, and I'm going to share a memory with you about it. Sure. Here in a second. Yeah. So like I said, we kind of the goal was to win sectional, and was just elated to do it. And then the next week, just I don't know what happened, but I somehow won the regional. And then going to semi state, that's when a lot of things change. So I think that was the the sort of. Uh, along my journey, that was the point in which I kind of realized just how competitive the sport is whenever you take out, you know, like you said earlier, it's not a class sport. Um, we're not really, there's no filtering at all in terms of competition. And I think it was just sort of luck of the draw that we're located in, you know, the part of the state that we are where running isn't really a huge focus on a lot of schools, you know, that we're in the sectional with or we're in the regional with. So the, the casualty of that is competition is hard to come by down here. But when we went to Brown County, you know, we get a lot of the schools from the, you know, the southern Indy area, southwestern Indianapolis area. And I you, you, I think you put it beautifully. They humbled me. I got a really good look at what, you know, terrific athletes look like in that sport. And I don't – I think I got 25th and you needed to be 15th to go to state or something like that. So um, it was – like I said earlier, there was no real person to come before me to do any of that. We had a couple good teams, I don't know, when I was a sixth or seventh grader, but none – that really took on the individual aspect of the sport, more so focused on kind of working together as a team. But when I got to kind of see just how far behind I was and just how inflated my ego and arrogance was, I think that sort of brought me back down to earth. And that's when I went to work because I think, you know, if, if you look at 
the nice thing about running, and I guess we can talk about this in a little bit, is uh, you can measure things objectively in track and in cross country just based on, you know, the same courses. It took you this amount of time to run it. Whereas, you know, sports like basketball and volleyball, which we argue about profusely, <laughs> it's a little bit tougher to measure that. Um, but if you look, I mean, I made such a big jump from my ninth grade year to my 10th grade year. And then again, the following year after that. And I think it was, um, it was a culmination of, you just said physical maturity. I was, I don't even remember how tall I was. I think I was probably five, eight, a buck 20. And then my sophomore year, I shot up to like six foot two or something like that. Um, so I'm sure that had a big component of it, but I was really focused on it. I was really honed in. I would wake up every day and make sure I was doing what I was supposed to do. And I think that was sort of the transformation from just being a, you know, a hobby participant to somebody who's really serious about it. Yeah, the night I remember it was was the night of that semi-state, and you were uh, eating uh, dinner in Los Bravos with your sister, and man, you were down. <laughs> and I came over and moved you over, and I said, "You've got exactly one more day to pout about this." Yeah, and I that. and and I could, you know, I saw, and, and and you said basically that's what I'm giving myself. And you talked about really um, getting to work, and I think it would blow people's minds to know the things that you did and the things that you sacrificed along the way in high school. And we take so many things for granted and, and, and so many athletes in different sports think that they, they make sacrifices and they do things. And, and it is hard to be an athlete. You're, you're, you're going to be playing on nights. You're going to be getting back late. Um, you know, the deck may be stacked against you academically in a variety of ways because you are sacrificing uh, time, but, the personal sacrifices that you made to train, just start running through those. That, that it's some of the most amazing yeah. things uh, that I've ever heard. Sure, that that a kid from Barreve High School did these things. The ones that come to mind immediately were, well, first of all, the you know my best friends and my friend network. They, I mean, I had Damon who was a friend, and I was friends with the people on the cross country team, also uh, obviously. But our core network of friends, they all played, you know, the you know the traditional basketball, baseball, and I missed out on a lot of good memories with them, which is what hurts the most, especially having lost one of them, you know, right as we left high school going into college, you, you can't get that time back. But I don't know, just thinking about a lot of the, the crazy stuff I did in high school, it's, you know, missing, you know, parties and friends with, or missing time and, you know, stuff like that with friends. But I slept in an altitude tent every night. You know, I was. Okay, I'm, let's stop right there. Yeah. You slept in an altitude tent. That's correct. For our less you know, educated listeners or the people who just never think about things like this, explain that and why. So to put it simplistically, the I guess the best way I can explain it is that at night is whenever, you know, if you work out or do anything strenuous, if you lift weights, if you run or do anything like that, the way that you get better and improve is you break your body down and you build it back up. And most of that buildup happens when you sleep. Um, obviously uh, a big nutrient that you need when you're running is oxygen and you need to be able to deliver oxygen to your muscles in a timely and efficient fashion in order to be a good runner. And the idea behind an altitude tent is that at night when you're supposed to be recovering and building yourself back up, you're sort of starving yourself of oxygen, like the actual air inside the tent whenever I would zip myself up and sleep. And <laughs> I got called bubble boy by a lot of my friends. And some of so. your teachers. Yeah, and some of my teachers. Uh, when you're sleeping at night and you're undergoing that recovery process, you're sort of stressing your body in a, you know, additionally to sort of help stimulate more red blood cell growth, all the things that are needed to kind of 
um, I don't know, help you carry oxygen to your working tissues more. And then the idea is that once you do that and you go through a whole training cycle and you make it harder on your body to recover at night, whenever you're coming up on a target race or something like that, you get out of it for a couple of weeks and you have this abundance of energy and abundance of, you know, oxygen, if you will. But uh, it gets a little more complicated than that. But essentially the, the take home message is I literally slept in a, uh, a transparent plastics <laughs> bubble with an air concentrator <laughs> that pumped air into it since I was a 10th grader. Uh, so, so you did that yeah. and then yeah, it, 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 it goes far. Go ahead. No, yeah, it, that, that was a minor inconvenience, but when I look back, I mean, there were things that I, I did that I wouldn't dream of doing now. I would be up at 6 a.m. I would run um, I would run before school, uh, which was not asked of me, and then I would go to practice after school, uh, which was kind of – that was nuts. Um, there were times – so my, my family owns some land in Martin County, um, and I would have them go, you know, do whatever they do, you know, mess around on some of the property they own over there, and I would run from – my uh, my mom and dad's house over by the golf course in Oakview Heights, I would run down Old 50 all the way to Lagodi to 231, and then I would cross 231 and go down some, you know, back roads in Martin County. So I would essentially run from Montgomery to Shoals. I did that very often. <laughs> um, and then Totally normal behavior. Totally normal, yeah. And there were other times where if we had practice at Bar Eve, uh, we would run to Washington and back, you know, just as sort of a, a practice. But I don't know. I ran a lot. I did some wacky stuff with my diet. Um, yeah, and that's the next thing I want to talk to you about. Yeah. It wasn't just the, the sleep and the training. I mean, tell us about your diet. This is this is just, for the average listener, this is, your head will explode when you hear it. Yeah, and I don't know what, where it came from, but, you know, you start experimenting. Once we got good, you know, Perk was obviously in my corner a lot about, because th- th- these were uncharted territory for him too. He he, we got to a certain point where he's just kind of like, "Look, we're gonna try this. I've never done this before. I've never had, you know, any. We've never, be, I've never been in this position. We've got, we're just gonna try it and see how it goes." And I tried like the paleo diet where I didn't eat, you know, carbs. I just ate lean meats and vegetables. And then I tried to go like keto. I did all kinds of really crazy things that, looking back, a, sh- a 16 year old, 17 year old shouldn't be doing. But I don't know if it helped or hurt. But um, I was just, I was obsessed with how to get to the next level, no matter what it took. Obviously, I was sleeping in a bubble. I was eating weird foods. I didn't go on the senior trip. I, it was, I don't know. I don't know if it was worth it, but I, I learned a lot of stuff from it. And, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about that senior trip here in just a second, but you made a comment to me about, you know, and, and, we'll, and we'll talk about the run-up to the state championship here in just a second, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, how long did you go without fast food, for example? Oh man, um, I mean, three years, right? Yeah, I, it was a long time. I was, I don't know what possessed me to, and that wasn't anyone, you know, forcing me to do that. I just, oh, yeah, I took it upon myself for whatever. And, and I should, and I should mention here for any viewers or any uh, listeners uh, that if you think Connor lived in a in a household with a <laughs> taskmaster father and an overbearing mother, that was not the case not at the all. Case. They were they were the perfect sports parents. Not the case. Yeah, you know, they and they had no background in you know, my parents, I think they played, you know, whatever sports they played in high school, but it wasn't really important to them. My dad worked all through high school and providing was more of what he was concerned with rather than, you know, extracurricular activities. But um no, they were awesome to have because their mentality was just hey, listen, we don't really understand this. How can we help? And they they provided in all the ways I needed, and they were just – they were so supportive. They were never the type to get on me. They were just um, – I don't know. They had – they just rode the, the perfect line between being helpful and, and pushing me in the ways that I needed to, uh, but not, not in the way that was, you need to get out there and run 10 miles. It was, hey, are you – you know, how are you feeling? What can we do? And 
I, I couldn't have asked for a better set of parents throughout all. Yeah, and that and, and your parents, you know, just going in, I can't I can't recall one athletic conversation that I ever had with them. Other, no. you know, when we were coaching you, it was, you know, coach them hard, make sure they work hard, and that was that was pretty sure. much it. If you're going to do it, do it right, and that's that was the message. Sure. Yeah, and I think they saw too that whenever we came over here, they, uh, in stark contrast from the school I was coming from, they saw that the culture here was different. It, you know, it, winning was expected and, you know, working hard was expected. And I think once they, they felt kind of at ease once I got here and that I was in good hands, all the coaches that I had coming up through uh, the grades, whether it was, you know, basketball, baseball or whatever, they, they loved and respected all of them. And, you know, there were, you know, ups and downs as there are, there are in like all sports, but I think they kind of saw that I was in good hands and they didn't, they didn't really need to give any more input. All right. So you have all of these state finals appearances, and you're kind of moving through um, your high school career. And, and and I don't know about you, but I'm just, you know, kind of going back through and, and looking at some of this stuff. To me, it seems like you really make the leap from really good all-state runner to you're not only going to contend for state championships, but you're going to kind of be on that national scale I, I think you hit that moment in between your junior cross country season and your track season. Am I am I right or am I wrong? You're spot on. It and, was, and, and tell us about where where that junior cross country season ended for you, and then you know eventually what happened in the track season. Yeah, that so year. just you know going right along with the obsession to get better and to keep working hard. After um, after that sophomore year. I had a pretty disappointing track season. I finished third to last in the mile. Um, it was. It was <laughs> I'm not laughing. No, I don't even want to run a mile. No, it was. That's, it was one of those. Sounds not, terrible. Yeah, I was happy to be there. It was like, oh, you made it to state and track. We don't have a track, which was obviously a huge deal. And that that was always a lifelong goal of mine, uh, was to win state and track, which I guess I never did. But just to be there was good. And I got humbled again. I was still in tenth grade, and then obviously that lit the fire that summer to start training. I don't even think I took any time off after that. Um, after that state track meet, I just started, I told Perk that I, he needed to give me my training schedule and I wanted to start the next week. And uh, I trained super hard. I really, uh, if you look back at what the results show, I was a lot better than what I did that junior season. I got, I actually got really ill um, halfway, like mid-September of, um, I don't know what year that would be, you're dating me, but it was my uh, junior season of cross country and I got really sick halfway through the the season and I was only like a month or so out from uh, the state tournament which was obviously the goal the whole time but I got like pneumonia and I got bronchitis and I ran everybody was trying to tell me you know you should probably take some time off but here I was I had all this time and you know these miles invested in these races and I just kind of continued to run myself into the ground I had kind of a lackluster performance in the state tournament I think I was I won sectional I actually got beat at regional who to his credit he was a really good runner um, and then I don't know fourth or something like that at semi-state, which all of all of those races I you know had kind of planned on winning, and I don't know I had just had my body in a tough position and coming off an illness, and then I think I got 22nd or something like that in in cross country. So I guess just to recap, I had put all this work in, and I felt like I was a little bit robbed because I got sick and didn't really get to show everybody you know what I was made of, or didn't really feel like I got a fair shake at it, and then. Uh, over the winter, I had a really, really successful training block that just sort of built on what I had already had over the summer. And then moving into the spring, I think the long, the short of it was that I got second in the, the two mile only to the guy who ended up being like the greatest you know runner <laughs> in Indiana history. So that was a big moment for me. And then and, um, and going back to that race, you know, at, at, at the state finals, you know, there's a lot of times where, where Bar Eve teams or, 
you know, I, I can speak about it in a team aspect where a lot of times if you're runner-up in something, you're disappointed. Sometimes when you're runner-up, you know that's just about the best that you sure, can do. Sure, And I, I just remember the joy after that race year, junior year, where – it was like lit, we we peaked. We we did everything that we could do, and it was uh, it was rewarded. Yeah, no, I agree. That I don't know if there's any runner historians out there, but this guy's name was Futsum Zinasalasi, and he without a doubt was the most decorated runner that the state has ever seen. He only lost one state championship, um, cross country and track combined, his freshman year of cross country because he lost his shoe. Uh, at the beginning of the race, and he still got second. So he he was unbelievable. And like you said, um, going into that season, we all knew the kind of, you know, the performances he was putting out there. He was setting a state record every week, and everybody in the field, without saying it, knew that the everybody was gunning for second. There was no touching him. And um, to, to be able to kind of get second, like you said, as weird as it sounds, was sort of the goal all year. It was just like winning, it felt like. Even though I was on the second-place podium, it was kind of an honor. You know, it, he's the – He's the Michael Phelps of yeah. our sport. And, yeah. and to be able to kind of stand on that podium beside him and know that he was the only one that beat me was good enough for me. So you're heading into your senior season, and I'm going to backtrack here. Is your freshman year when you had qualified for all of these different things and, and we had put a little special write-up in the yearbook for you, you you said something to me, and, of course, I was a smart aleck back and you got mad at me. And no, that, that's, not you. That's the cycle we've been dealing with since you've been in the sixth grade but sure so I asked you what your goals were when you were a senior and this is after what, what was your finish at the state finals when you were a freshman cross country in cross country I didn't make it okay I was 25th at semi-state 25th at semi-state yeah but you mentioned that you wanted to be a double state champion when you were a senior yeah I did and and I don't know if I smirked or what caught your eye but you know you smarted something back and you know here we are we're three years into that proclamation, and now all of a sudden I'm in a major position. Not that I ever got really smart about it, but you know, it's it, it's. I think the dream of anybody from Bar Eve, which didn't have a track, which you know, we're we're a one A school, and there's no class in 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 running in the state. It's it's all classes competing against each other, and you're coming off that second place finish. And in the you know at the same time you've kind of vanquished some of the people who might have been your competitors in cross country in the fall, and suddenly we're looking at a very real possibility that 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 this can be done at this little high school. Yeah, I I remember that conversation as a lot of other things. I remember little articles being written that I didn't really like how things were being worded. I remember <laughs> I will never forget, and I'll sh I'll shout them both out. But at the time, uh, my f like and throughout high school this was true, but. Amber would run summer volleyball practice at the same time early in the morning that we would have cross-country practice. So uh, obviously I had friends that were on the volleyball team at the time, so I would see them. But um, at the time, Jennifer Wirtz, now Jennifer Madison, was uh, helping Amber coach. And I remember she was always one to kind of tease me, and we would go back and forth. And I'll never forget, she, she asked, like, what are you even doing? Because she was giving me crap about quitting basketball or something. And she's like, what are you even doing with this running stuff anyway or something along those lines? And I told her that I wanted to – to win a state championship. And I just remember she just kind of laughed and was like, oh, that's, you know, that's cute. And essentially told me <laughs> I would never be able to do it. So I don't really know if she meant for that to happen, but it was definitely one of those, hey, you know, I, I got to I gotta prove, you know, prove people wrong that you can kind of do whatever you set your mind to. But I remember that conversation um, and just 
on the backdrop of how successful Bar Eve is as, you know, not only a school, but how we were in basketball and, you know, with, with boys basketball at the time and obviously with volleyball, um, it was tough to even hear about, you know, quitting one to try another sport, which made it all the more, you don't, you know me, I don't need very much fuel to be spiteful no, you don't. as a competitor, but, no, you don't. um, you know, it was just one of those things that I felt like it was my own. Uh, I felt like I was kind of blazing trails as, even though it's a cheesy way to put it. Um, and I just wanted to go for it and see, you know, how I, you know, how I could do. And every, it seems like something every season came where it was like, wow, I didn't know I could do this. Wow. I didn't know I could do this. And it just sort of built on it. And, um, felt like we kind of just ran out of time there at the end of, of my high school career, but, um, I got a lot of good memories for sure. So your senior year, there was a moment, um, where I, I, I thought for sure that, you know, this is a very real possibility and I forget which meet it was in or, or what exactly was going on, but, but you ran, um, a, a time and I'm going to try to set this up and explain it, mm. but you ran a sub 15 minute, um, you know, race. And I think it was 1458 or 1456 was your time. Mm-hmm. And, to put a basketball equivalency on something like that, that's a is that a sixty point game? Is that I mean it's 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 more than a fifty point game. I yeah, mean it was, it, that's that's it was insanity that you did that, and it was just like it was the fastest time in the state, and it was like holy crap, this he is peaking, and 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 this this may happen. Yeah, no, I don't know what the equivalent would be in another sport. I just know that at the time. Um, the 15-minute barrier and the 5K on on grass had only been broken, you know, a handful of times uh, within the last five to ten years. And um, when I looked at the names of the people who had done it, you know, I felt like I was in, you know, good company. But I don't really know what the equivalent would be. I just remember, like, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. I, I It seemed like something happened every season where it was like, wow, I didn't know I was capable of this. Wow, I didn't know I could accomplish this. And it just, I don't know, it really it got to the point where I would just go out there and crazy, crazy stuff would happen. And it was just more relying on the work that got put in and, you know, in the, the summer and the winter prior that just sort of built on itself. But so, so you have this, this crazy time yeah. and, you know, let's talk about the, the tournament, your senior year. I mean, it, your, your, your sectional, your regional, your semi-state, all, all of those are just basically coronations. And it goes, and it's no disrespect for the people around here, but it, I think it's just a culture thing. You know, down down here, the the focus isn't cross country, the focus isn't, you know, track. It's you know, it's basketball, and you know, obviously not at Bari, but it's football, it's you know, volleyball in some instances. But um, I don't know whether that was just the um, that was just the result of where we're located in the state. But yeah, there were often times where we were instructed to kind of take meets off and just kind of go into cruise control and sectional and save it for you know, save it for regional or save it for semi-state. And in a lot of ways, I was kind of thankful for that, especially as we got towards, you know, my senior year, because I knew what was coming for me at the end of the pipeline. But um, yeah, there were, you use, you always use the word coronation when I had you in class, but uh, it did feel like that sometimes, but it didn't really feel as though um, we were actively trying to do that. It was just that we had, we had worked so much harder than everybody else and we'd put in so much more prep. So you get to the, the state finals, your, your, your senior year, and pre-race, how many people did you did you think? All right, I I I know there's a million people behind me, but how how many guys did you did you look for and 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 kind of picture? Hey, I, you know these are the people that I've got to beat today. 
I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I just knew that there were I knew who the you know the big players were all year at state who was winning races around, you know, the state because there we have something similar to John Harrell like a message board called Indiana Runner. It used to exist. I don't know if it does anymore, but I was always on there scouring results and seeing who was doing well and who I had to watch out for and when we would meet up with them. And I knew one his name was Troy Reeder. He was um he was very accomplished. He was eventually my teammate at Furman, we committed to the same school together afterwards, but I knew he was a threat. I knew I had my handful of people who I sort of knew what their jerseys looked like. I didn't know them personally. I knew what school they were from and, you know, roughly kind of what they looked like. But honestly, at the state meet, man, it was, we had this race plan. And as soon as we got there, as soon as the gun went off, it's like it went out the window just because nothing went according to plan. And it was just sort of throwing it out the window and just kind of, I don't know, being gritty and just, you know, fighting till the end. And, the only thing I remember about the state finals was in the middle of the race, um, it was a 5K race, obviously, and about halfway through, there was a guy, his his name was Zach Panning. He was from Fort Wayne Concordia. He was so far in front of us that each time that we made a long sweeping turn, and on this course, it's super wide open, and you can see in front of you for quite a while, and every time we made a big sweeping turn, I was expecting to see the back of this guy's jersey, and he was nowhere to be found. So I knew that he had you know quite a bit of lead on us, and that it was go time if it was going to happen. And it just so happened that Troy, along with, I don't know, three or four other people in the state uh, were, you know, in the hunt right next to me. And I looked over at him in the middle of the race. And I was like, hey, if this is going to happen, we got to go. You got to go right now. And I didn't really get the response that I thought I would out of him. So I made a little bit of a, a push in the middle of the race. Um, looking back on it, getting the splits from Perk, I guess it was kind of unbelievable what, what went down in the last three-fourths of that, you know, 5K. But ended up kind of gaining ground on him and each turn that I made he was getting a little closer a little closer and I don't know I kind of smelled blood and went for him and <laughs> he as soon as I caught up to him it's like he just smashed the brakes it was like he was kind of holding on and just trying to get to the finish line but once he kind of saw that I overtook him he just threw in the towel and that was kind of it and from there if I'm being if I'm being honest at that point I was just trying to make sure that I didn't you know let the wheels fall off because it's a long straightaway and it was just I don't know. It was a big adrenaline packed day. And, um, luckily I made it to the finish line without doing anything crazy, but we, that was, that's all I really remember from that day. It was just such a blur. And then talking to you that week, the the thing that you said is, is, is you, you rewarded yourself ridiculously by, by giving in to some of those indulgences that you yeah. had kept from yourself. For I got years. a McDouble or something from McDonald's <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. So, so college wise, yeah as we kind of run through this here real real quickly, you know, I, I consider you to be, you know, the first Barry male athlete that I ever really saw recruited. And, and you know, you were flying to Wisconsin this weekend and flying to Syracuse on this weekend. And and you settle on Furman real quick. T- tell, tell us why you made that initial decision. Yeah, so I know it was – Furman obviously isn't a name that you would expect to hear whenever you say, you know um, – like Oregon or Wisconsin or Syracuse or any of those other schools that I was like, you know, being, you know, that were interested in me at the time. But what a lot of people didn't realize was the coach at Ohio state for all these number of years who in his own right was an Olympian twice in, um, in track, he was making the the coaching change to go from, um, an Ohio state head coaching position to this, um, really good setup at Furman, which his dreams were to, um, which I guess we can get into this a little bit more in a second for hindsight and perspective. But his his whole idea that he pitched to us that was that he was going down there. He was coming into a lot of you know private donor money that you know they really wanted to see this cross country and track program take off. And 
it was essentially we would have the world by the tail if we went there. And after our collegiate experience was over with, there was a professional program that would, you know, wait, wait for us after we graduated that would be solely focused on pursuing the Olympic trials to sort of gain, you know, punch tickets to go to the Olympic games. And like I said earlier, perspective and hindsight as a 17 year old, 18 year old kid, when I hear Olympics and I've got this inflated ego and I see my name in the paper pretty frequently, you know, I'm, I'm dreaming some pretty, you know, lofty goals, but, um, the, the short of it was that the coach that Ohio state was moving to Furman and we knew it and he wanted Troy and I both to, to sort of follow him, um, not at Ohio state, but to Furman. And we did, we ended up kind of settling on Furman and, and went from there. So you did that. And, and obviously, um, the best laid plans are fantastic. Um, but obviously there's, um, there's some, there's some major tragedy yeah. that's gonna, that's gonna draw you back home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, my freshman year, we're at Oklahoma State. Uh, we're getting – so it, because it was Coach Geary's first year at Furman, all of us that were the contributing members of that team were all freshmen, which means that we are coming from – we're all a bunch of big fish coming from small ponds, and we thought we were something, and we're going up against, you know, unbelievable athletes in the NCAA, and we're getting rocked all sem- <laughs> or all semester long. I'm just getting waxed by everybody, and – Obviously, being the competitor that I am, I'm not happy about getting my teeth kicked in on a weekly basis by, you know, the nation's best in, in the NCAA. But um, we're at Oklahoma State, and I think I just gotten like 151st or something in this race and just, just down in the dumps. And I don't know. It was just kind of a low point. And then I remember the day after we had stayed in Stillwater to just um, kind of do practice after the meet was over with. And it was a Sunday. And we got done with our practice. And as I walked up to coach, he kind of pulled me aside, which was really abnormal because um, he's kind of a reserved guy and didn't say a whole lot unless something was wrong or you were in trouble. So I assumed that I was in trouble. But he pulled me aside and he goes, hey, I, you know, I just talked to your mom. Um, I wanted to let you know that way you didn't have to see it on social media. But, you know, I wanted to let you know that Brandon just died. Brandon was in a car accident. And he didn't make it. And if as you can kind of imagine, it didn't, it didn't connect at first. I, my coach had no idea who Brandon was. He had no connection to Barreve or for him to say, just say, Hey, Brandon had passed away. I didn't really connect. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Brandon who, what are you talking about? And then it sort of set in that he was like, that mom had called him. And I was like, no, 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 this, that, that can't be true. Who are you talking about? And I think it was a little bit of shock at first, but that was how I got the news was, um, you know, via my coach and, I don't know, that set just a, a sort of chain of reaction or a, just a, a chain of events off that, you know, a lot of perspective and a lot of um, epiphanies were, I don't know, they headed my way and I don't know, I guess I don't have to get into a whole lot of it. But yeah, that was the first really, the, the first real time I had lost someone close to me was whenever we lost Brandon. And because like anybody else, you lose great, you know, great grandparents, grandparents, but it's different because as morbid as it is to say, you sort of expect that. That's the way life goes is, you know, some people come in, some people leave, um, and there's a timeline on it. But no no 18-year-old kid that you went to high school with should have, you know, that you can't even believe it. It, it doesn't even seem real whenever you hear news like that. So I, I remember the conversation with you that week. Um, you know, you just said this is, you know, this is a message from a higher power that I'm I'm not supposed to be here anymore. I'm I'm, I'm supposed to be near my family I'm supposed to be um I'm supposed to be home yeah and and you transfer back to to IUPUI which is kind of doing at the same time 
the same thing that Furman was, where they are just they're stacking up uh, in-state talent, and 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 you know, basically for a period of time while you're there, um, you know, you guys are you're the best Division One cross-country program in the state, basically. Sure. Well, I should back up a little bit too because compounding that, obviously, we lost Brandon. I came home for the funeral. Just had a lot of growing up to do to sort of cope and grieve the way that I needed to for that loss. After, and it wasn't a couple months after that that I fractured my femur, um, which ultimately is what ended my college career in a roundabout way. Um, I was at Hurdle, or I was at um, I was at Furman one day, and had all along I had kind of felt like this pain in my hip or pain in my leg, and it kept getting worse and worse. But you know the the mentality down there is you know if you can't do it, somebody we've got a number of people who can take your place. And obviously I had worked pretty hard for the spot I was in and wanted to continue to you know, run at conference or run at NCAAs or whatever that race was coming up. And I tried to fight through it. And then one day when I jumped down from my bunk bed, which we lived in bunks our freshman year at Furman, I jumped down from the top bunk of a bunk bed and just, I felt the most like excruciating pain I've ever felt in my life. Um, and that leg and got an MRI and it was, I had a fractured femur and ended up spending like six months on crutches. And I don't know, I joke with people that I was a skinny guy all, already as it was, but the way my leg looked, it was like there was no muscle on it all. It was just like a bone, a, a big knee, and then more bone. <laughs> it was disgusting. So the recovery process um, to come back from that, uh, it was a tough one, but one that I never really successfully navigated. I ended up getting a slew of injuries afterwards with my Achilles tendon, with like IT band stuff, and it was just start up for three weeks and then have to be on the pine for three weeks, and that's oh, just and no that's just no way to no and way a, to do and, it. And 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 the conversation I remember and. And looking at your fiance, and I, I had to be in in or near Benton County, but, but it was uh, 2015, and um, I'm driving home from Wrigley Field, as a matter of fact, with a couple of guys, and 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 you sent me a, a text message, and you just said, "I'm broken, I'm broken." Talk talk about all of those injuries just just compounding. Well, it was more than just the injury. You know, it was whenever you leave home, and I guess as a, a naive kid, you you just I don't know. You think that everything is going to be at home uh, is going to be just how you left it when you come back. And then when you, you know, you come back for Christmas break and you go to send Brandon a text message and ask him to come over or see what he's doing, you realize that a message isn't going to be received or, you know, that people or have people at the school, for instance, have like retired from their teaching jobs or, you know, things just change. And I don't know, part of me just with the injury, with, you know, the loss and I guess I'll also say that while I was down there, uh, I was in a rehab pool every single day after I was cleared to do so. And all the while, you know, I'm in this, you know, rehabilitation pool, swimming endless laps or aqua jogging or whatever it is that they had me doing by <laughs> myself while my only friends in South Carolina or at Furman or even in the state of South Carolina, um, they were out traveling, you know, the United States, they were going to Portland, they were going to all of the same meets that I should have been on. And, you know, the coaches kind of call you less. They ask uh, how you're doing a little bit less and less, and you start to get you on your own little island whenever you become damaged goods. And I think at that point in time was really the big epiphany that I had that, hey, you know, maybe my life doesn't need to be centered around athletics only. Maybe there's a bigger lesson or maybe there's a bigger picture here. Um, and I think that's whenever I decided that, you know, I jokingly said it earlier, but the grass isn't greener down here or anywhere else and that Indiana is – you know, for all its flaws and its terrible winters, it's got, you know, great people in it that, you know, I don't want to come home and realize, oh, that so-and-so's passed away. I didn't want to miss out on any of it. So 
uh, it just happened. It just so happened that Damon was already at IEPY, and I had kind of a built-in network of guys at IEPY that it, it just kind of worked out, and I transferred there. And I mean, I didn't have an illustrious career, but I was a lot better about being a decent human being and you know <laughs> paying attention to the things that mattered rather than you know how I performed in a particular race. And um, I don't know. I'm happy that it happened to me. I'm happy that I was forced out of the you know, the comp obsessive, you know, competitive nature that I had, and I didn't really have a say in it, or else I would probably, you'd still probably see me out running past stop and see if you well, caught me on the right and, side. And, and I remember you sending me a message, or maybe we talked on the phone, but you just, you know, it was probably your third year in college or something like that, and you said, you know, they always tell you it's all about education. You said, I, you know, I finally learned that lesson. I'm, I'm here I'm here to make my, my future better, and, and athletics is the vehicle that, that, that drove me to it, but, you know, the, the greater lesson is, is I'm here to, you know, I'm here to get into medical school or I'm here to do this with anesthesia or, or you know, you, you know, it took you a while to pick that up, but you did. Yeah. And I, I, again, I don't know that I would have found it on my own or voluntarily just because of how bullheaded I was, but um, yeah, just a lot of really tough lessons and things that were out of my control eventually led me to here. And luckily for me, I was, I was able to sort of uh, reroute that competitive determination that I had that I formerly put into sports into school. And I think without it, I don't know that I would have been able to make it through because there are late nights where you got to stay up all night studying, and there are tests that essentially decide your future if you don't do well on it. Um, but, yeah, I was able to sort of reroute and kind of cope just because people that have – and I'm not the only one that's like this, but people who are super competitive like I am at all costs, if you don't find a way to channel it or to reroute it in a healthy way, it can kind of make you miserable. Um, but luckily I've been able to kind of – tone it down a little bit. I don't get so bent out of shape when Caitlin beats me at a board game or anything like that. But um, yeah, I don't, I, I guess that's really all I've got to say about it. And as we kind of wrap this up here today, um, Connor, and it, this is something that we've talked about and, and, you know, we really enjoy just a lot of the teachers and the administrators, you know, you guys had your engagement party this, this yeah. summer where a lot of the, a lot of the old guard kind of got back together and we got to catch up with, with some of the class. But, you know, if, if you look at the class of 2013, as far as, you know, maybe what they accomplished when, when they were in high school, um, it, it kind of blends in as just another class, but, but I've always kind of considered it to be a class where it, it kind of set the culture right with the school and it's that doesn't mean that you guys were angels and you didn't do things that were you know Definitely you know si sideways on the uh, you know from from time to time it's not like that but but I, I know you've heard that from more than one one former teacher from administrators etc but but when you talk about setting the culture right and this can be a message for you know this year's senior class senior classes to come uh and and, and parents with kids when you talk about setting the culture right, what do you think the class of 2013 did to make it that way? I don't know that we were actively trying to do it. I agree with a, with a lot of what you're saying. Um, I think we just saw whether – I don't want to name specific classes, but we saw what worked and what didn't work as we came up. And I know that just from a personal perspective, when I came to Bari, rewinding all the way to the sixth-grade basketball story that we shared earlier – Whenever I came to Bar Eve, I hadn't won a basketball game. I didn't know what it was like to actually win an official athletic event. And I remember that being a pretty humbling experience whenever I got to be part of that basketball team and win. And what it was just like to be part of something that was both successful and just like a machine that lives and breathes on its own. And I don't really know that as we were coming through, yeah, our class did some pretty out there things. But <laughs> the, if you ask any of us, I think they would agree that there was just some part of us that when, when, when faced with the choice of 
doing something that was kind of scummy or just kind of doing the right thing just because it's the right thing there and let's just go. go do it. We we were always about it. And I don't know, that wasn't really something that we ever really discussed. It was just something that I think we learned from, you know, the people that came before us, like, hey, we don't want to be looked at like that. Um, so we, we weren't. And I don't know that we were the most decorated class, whether it was academically or athletically, but um, I love my class a lot. Uh, we did, we went through, we went through some stuff together and um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, hopefully most people would agree that the changing of, I don't know, there was a, a definite change of culture whenever we came through. Yeah. And, and, and I've always compared it with just how you guys treated, not necessarily each other, but, but, but teachers and other students, I, you know, I, I, I think you guys, it, it, you know, class-wide, it, it was cool to compete. It yeah. was cool to, to, you know, like and talk to your teachers it, it and it was cool to just be decent to little kids and i and you know those are little things but they don't always happen and i thought you guys i thought you guys were masters of that sure no i agree and I, no one really active like i said we never really discussed that we never really had a big powwow where it was like hey this is what the plan is make sure you do xyz but and when we, i say cool to compete i don't mean to cut you off but no it was not, cool not to sports, work it was, it was it was cool to make good grades it was sure. cool to have the highest test grade in class yeah the the whole, oh, I'm too cool to even try was not something that succeeded or bo it didn't bode well in our class. If you didn't work hard, if you weren't a contributing member of the class or if you didn't have, you know, big dreams or if you weren't just like a good person and you probably didn't do too well. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. All right. Well, as we wrap this up, you got anything to plug, anything you want to say, anything you got to talk about here at the end? No, no plugs. I just want to commend you on what you're doing with the, the media, um, the gig here. Obviously, you take it upon yourself to be the voice of the Vikings, but I was talking to, is it Sam? That yeah, Sam Evans, yeah. yeah. I think it's really cool what you guys are doing here. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't be able to keep up on what's going on with Bar Reeve, um, whether it's sports or what, what you guys got going on. I always like to hear D uh, Jeff Doyle's update of the day or whatever the, <laughs> the wise words every the Friday. wise words yeah, yeah they inspire me through the week so um if i didn't have jeff doyle's wise words i don't know if i'd be able to <laughs> get out of bed in the morning but no it's really cool i i hope that obviously things are changing my goodness uh walking through here seeing the new gym it, like i told you earlier it doesn't even feel like the same school but um thanks for doing what you do and thanks for having me on all right boss well we'll catch you down the road okay all right that's connor sorrels he was bar eve's first ever cross-country uh, state champion, first state champion in anything now. Year eight of school, headed towards 10 years, engaged to be married, and just some really, really great lessons about uh, working hard, competing, and something that everybody can take away as far as as far as far uh, what can happen in the future. So thanks to Connor, thanks to his fiance, and thank you to everybody for tuning in. And join us next time as we will have another edition of the Bar Eve Podcast where we're going to tell you stories that you think you know, but maybe you don't. I'm Mike DeCourcy for Connor Sorrells. We will catch you next time. Talk to you down the road. God bless and go Vikings.